Hello and welcome to the very first episode of my 361 podcast. 361 is a recovery program for women after loss, specifically for women after abuse, but also widening it out to talk about loss as in bereavement, divorce and all other kinds of loss that we women experience throughout our life. And I'm Alice Smith of Goddess Education. I'm a survivor of domestic abuse, a writer, a teacher, a healer and a woman (laughs) and a human being. And please check out my website www.goddess.co.uk to see all the different things I do. But for now, I want to talk about the 361 Recovery Programme. And the tagline is 361 Find the One. So today's programme is all going to be about how do we find the one? Well, number one, the one. Who is the one? How do we find the one, ladies? And does the one even exist somewhere out there? You know what? I blame Disney because as little girls, we were taught in fairy tales that there's a prince out there. Just one. Prince Charming. He will appear if we look hard enough and we can find him. Quite frankly, if you haven't found him yet, you're not looking hard enough. Even at my ripe old age, this persists. Past 40, why are we still looking for the prince? He obviously isn't out there. But on dating sites, we still believe that if we look hard enough, he will appear. Find the one, girls. Where is he? Oh, come on. We've got to grow up a little bit. He just doesn't exist. We're looking for something that does not exist. Why are we doing this? You know, society just seems to condition us, especially if we were born in the 70s. You know, can you remember the 70s? Well, I can remember about the 70s being touched up by men in toilets. I mean, the 70s was a gropey decade, let's face it. Their hands were all over the place when we were kids. Or was that just me? No, it wasn't just me because we had Jim will fix it. And, you know, I wrote to Jim will fix it. I can't remember what I asked him for, but I'm so glad he didn't fix it for me. Yeah, we've, we're children of the 70s. And this means that we are conditioned with our Christmas presents of Wendy houses and our Disney books and our cot with our baby in. You know what? This is still going on now. We still have little girls dressed as Disney princesses and we think that just because it's frozen, they're all that. But it's it's still the case that we're just conditioning our daughters to think that we're princesses and that they're going to find the one. Oh, why are we doing this? Two, the circle of one. So I think you'll agree we're taught to believe from a very early age that we're not complete unless we find our other half. And I really, really hate this. Oh, this phrase, my other half. This mysterious person, the one, will complete us on every level and we can then be happy for the rest of our lives. Oh, guess what? We will no longer feel alone ever. This is a scary concept for me now. You know, that means we're never alone. This could be good or it could be slightly stalkerish. 
The truth is that we're all alone. You can switch off now if you want, but this is the truth. Whether you switch it off and stop listening or not, we are all alone. Whoever is sitting next to us on our park bench, we're still sitting there alone. We can be alone in a crowd. You must admit that's true. We can even be alone on our wedding day. I was. I don't know why I'm laughing. The most alone I've ever felt was in a crowd of 50,000 people in the parade for London Parade. Um, I used to be quite a controversial drag queen figure and um, I was walking around in a wedding dress trying to really uh, get rid of the anger I felt at my second divorce. I looked ever so good, you know, so I got invited to London Pride, walked through I carried the flag past Trafalgar Square. Yes, thank you. But as I looked out at the sea of these people, and at the start there was national TV and national newspaper photographers. We all know what kind of breed they are. They were lined up, sort of like in a line of three all the way along, taking my photo. And oh, did I upset Daily Mail readers. I think they nearly choked on their, what do they What do they eat for breakfast? They're all bran and prunes when they saw a picture of me with a fantastic young trans lady that had decided to wear a dress that showed her bulge. So yes, and there was me in the wedding dress looking completely, I looked on drugs to be honest, uh, and wild-eyed. And there we were on London Pride, but I'm digressing as usual, because what I'm trying to say is everyone was taking my photograph and screaming for me but I felt so alone. They weren't screaming for me. They were screaming for this character. I was behind a mask. Oh, I've never felt so alone. It was a horrible feeling. But it's the reality I see now four years on. We're all alone. But if you haven't switched off yet, this is not depressing as it sounds. How about if we stopped looking for the one that was somehow magically going to complete us and become our other half? And start to look for that one piece of ourselves that is always missing. Even in crowds, it can't just be me that feels that way. Maybe we could complete ourselves. So if we think of the 360 as a circle of our life, what if we looked for a 361? Think about a spiral. The 360 is a circle. But a spiral is just a circle never ending. So the 361 is the first step out of that circle of thinking that we've got to have a half latched onto us and then it will all be okay. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting that everyone walk around single, but I am suggesting that we start to change our mindset over 40 ladies to realise that the other half is not going to complete us and fill that emptiness inside. Neither is shopping, but that's for another day. So the 360 is our circle of life. I thought I'd found the one 30 years ago when I got married to Prince Charming, but oh no, he ran off with someone younger, 10 years younger, and he left me with two children. What to do? This had never happened in Disney, so I had no point of reference as a child of the 70s because there wasn't very much divorce then, was there? There was no divorce in my family either. I believed that he completed me. So I believed I was broken. Then I believed I needed fixing. Three, the quick fix. 
It's laughable now, but I decided to find the one again. <laughs> yes, that means in my mind, there was now more than one the one. This is just ridiculous, I'm talking about myself now. So I thought I'll find another one because I'm broken. Hmm, okay. So I actually believed this and proceeded to find the one again and again over the next 20 years. Guess what? That didn't work. If you've ever been divorced or bereaved and jumped straight in with another, the one, you'll know what I mean. Two years max before you're thinking, this ain't working. Four, hide and seek. The quick fix doesn't work. In recovery, the quick fix never works. In divorce, the quick fix jumping in with that new man doesn't work. But it's fun to try with multiple partners, holidays, TV, sex, drink, your drug of choice. What is your drug of choice, by the way? We're hiding from ourselves when we do this and we know it. As we get older, though, I think we can run out of places to hide and we get this feeling that we're hiding from our true selves. So how do we find something else to complete our life when we run out of fixes? We run out of men, we might get bored or they might become more and more balding and ageing and we just think we can't deal with your drama, thanks. Well, here it is. Spend time alone and sit with the pain. Yes, it's never going to be a fantastically happy message, is it? It's not buy one, get one free. Neither of these options sound as much fun as the quick fixes I just listed. But time alone and sitting with the pain are the two major things that I've found have really turned my life around and helped me in my recovery. You can't run yourself down to empty. And after three years by the beach, I can tell you that they both work. They both heal. When I went to live by the beach three years ago, and I'm not talking exotica Malibu, I'm talking about what they call Birmingham-on-Sea, a very run-down, deprived industrial area that just happens to have a bit of shoreline. So I'm not telling anybody to go and spend money and live in Malibu. But when I, I had to do something really drastic because I was just drinking too much. I was out of control. I'd lost my job. I was in the midst of trauma follow, following the end of a domestic abuse marriage, which saw me lose my home. And I just, my life was just out of control and I was out of control. So I moved there with a job, which I didn't keep because of course in trauma, you don't keep jobs. You don't keep friends. You don't keep anything. Oh, it's chaos. Part of it's fun, though, because of the adrenaline rush. Anyway, after three years by the beach, I can tell you these both work. Time alone, and you can't get more alone than sitting on a beach in January. And the other option, which is sitting with the pain. This is really difficult. I understand that. Both of these things begin to complete you as you listen to yourself. I was someone who would sleep with anyone, so I didn't have to sleep alone. Now, here I am, three years celibate. Five, who are you? Let me ask you a question. 
Do you know who you are? When I first moved to an unfriendly seaside town where I knew no one, people would openly come up to me and ask me, who are you? It was a town that didn't welcome outsiders. But this got me thinking, who was I? Did I even know? Do you know? After 10 years of emotional and financial abuse, leading to the loss of everything I knew, I just didn't know who I was. My job as a teacher had defined me and I was head of English in a private school. My marriage had defined me, my house had defined me, my car had defined me and I lost them all. There was a really big gap, a big hole where I used to be. I wonder if this has happened to you. Big losses of any kind leave you vulnerable to meeting men who tell you who you are. This happened to me anyway. This never ends well. Do you know who you are or do you need a man to tell you? Over time and through my life experiences, I gradually lived through and then developed the 361 Recovery Programme to share what I've learned. This 361 Recovery Programme is coming out on this podcast and I'm also going to be sharing my poetry because I've written during this dark time I was telling you about to find out who I am really. Also just as therapy to help me express the emotional pain I felt when I went through all these experiences, to help me sit with the pain. The only time I ever sat with the pain was a few years ago when my dad died and I made a commitment to be sober nearly three years ago. I was six months into that when my dad died and I thought, should I have a whiskey? And instead I sat with the pain and I've never felt pain like it. But I'm here to tell you that if you do it once, then you start to be able to do it because it's the fear of the emotional pain that's actually worse than the emotional pain itself. Drinking can take that emotional pain away. I understand that. I've done it all my life. But now I don't have terrible emotional pain three years sober. So maybe that will help you to decide to give it a go. So the 361 Recovery Programme is going to be this podcast. Um, It's going to be part of the 361 Recovery book. I'll be sharing it with you on this podcast. You can also find it on YouTube and a blog. And you can access that through my website, www.goddess.co.uk. And I'm also going to be sharing the poetry, as I said, because I wrote and toured four shows around the world, Berlin, India. Edinburgh Fringe, Brighton, Wolverhampton. (laughs) Started off performing in Wolverhampton. And the poetry is quite hard hitting. So I think I am going to actually give you a little bit of a poem to finish off. And I think every bit of poetry that I do will end with a poem and a bit of music. So thanks for listening. Here's We Survive that I performed on stages around the world as the voice of a domestic abuse survivor, followed by, oh, well, what's the music going to be? The music is going to be something from Coldplay called We All Fall In Love Sometimes. Thanks for listening. We Survive by Alice Smith.
We walk with bullet holes in our backs, but we survive. And we don't wear envy yet, but we drink sugared tea to forget. And we survive. We're no longer welcome on our own doormat splattered with bills. And we carry a half light that disturbs and chills. We are branded with some invisible debilitation. But we survive. We march for the bus in worn out shoes. And sometimes we lose, but we survive. And those bailiffs' love letters are the price we pay for our freedom. We're hungry now, but hungrier to be free. And we're often beaten, shamed, but we survive untamed. We don't look right. Holes in tights, hair brush fights, dark rooted unsuited to your open plan plan. But we survive. We sit and bow our heads over coffee. We can't fit in with the fake and we're too knee-jerk to sit comfortably over cake. But we survive. Now, we leave through windows. When you're waiting for the train, we want to jump. We want to take life and smash it in the face, bend it back into place. Oh, but we don't handle life the way you can with your sure and steady hands. We are handstands, but we survive. You survived, married, smiled, stockpiled, your life's back on track. We're good at starting again and again. But we never finish any 